you guys are ready? Okay, see, as, as you're standing there waiting in line to get more refreshments, I will uh, keep us going. I, I just feel so out of sort since, you know, the routine that we used to do, uh, we're not doing it. We're switching things up. We're in a brand new place. We're, we're trying out new different things. So it's, uh, so hang on in there with, with us. For those of you, you are here, you're very courageous and, you've, and, and you are pioneers right now. So if I can share this with you guys. But at the same time, it's, it's a, it is an incredible privilege for us to be able to gather uh, and, and lift up the name of Jesus during this time, especially during the quarantine time. You know, it's, it's an attack from the standpoint that we're supposed to be separated. We're supposed to stay at home. But we're making the effort to gather together. We're making that effort to be with one another, to lift up Jesus, and to experience the presence of God. So I want to commend each and every one of you guys for coming out. Uh, and uh, so hopefully you experience the presence of God like I have and allow God to work in us and soften our hearts and reveal the things that he has for each and every one of us. Uh, I forgot to say this this morning. I think some of, the, for some of you guys are here for the first time. Uh, when you get up, please put on your face mask as you walk around uh, talking to other people. But as you sit, uh, you can take your face mask off because obviously you are sitting with the people that you came with. Uh, just think of it like a restaurant, right? When you, if, for those of you who have a chance to go eat out, so the, as they walk you to the table, you need to have your face mask on. But as you sit, you can take your face mask off and, and talk and what have you. So uh, with that, let's, uh, let's get started. Hebrews chapter 8. We're going through the series of Hebrews, and it uh, has been an incredible series. Uh, obviously, we cannot go through verse by verse for each Sunday. Uh, so I'm hoping that you spent time during your own quiet time, either last week or this coming week, to read through the whole chapter slowly. And if you uh, did, or if you will be, I trust that you will enjoy Hebrews like I have, because I love Hebrews. It's actually one of the New Testament books that I really, really enjoy, and really uh, enjoy spending time studying and, and seeing how it keep reverting. Uh, I, I mentioned this before, keep going back and forth to the Old Testament talking about. This is what God said from hundreds of years ago, and now is coming true. And uh, whether it's about Jesus and the, 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 the priests and so the sacrifices and all, all the things that God has planned for us. But let's get started. So uh, if you have your Bible with you, turn to Hebrews chapter 8. If you are uh, using a mobile app and what have you, feel free to, to turn to that. I'm going to be using the NIV translation just for you to know. So briefly, for the first six verses in Hebrews chapter 8 is mostly a review of what was said about Jesus in the previous chapters. Things just such as, uh, thank you Rain for jumping in last minute, things such as who is Jesus, right? So Jesus was a high priest from the order of Melchizedek. Again, from, uh, we talked about this last week that Melchizedek was the priest of God most high from Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. So I refer to that as the original high priest. As the, I, I wanted to use the OG, but uh, I think that may be too much slang, and I just did use that term. So the original high priest, if I can use that term. And Jesus was greater, far more superior than the angels and the prophets. He was greater than Moses. Jesus was greater than Abraham. Jesus was greater than the Old Testament priest, the, Levit the Levitical priest. He was the perfect is a perfect high priest, and because he was fully human and lived a perfect life, 
he was the perfect sacrifice. Uh, and uh, also briefly in the first six verses, talk about where is Jesus right now? So I think in verse 2, it says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So forever, for an eternity. So this is not just an exaltation that Jesus is so great. It is an actual present reality. That, that is where Jesus is right now. And he is the one final high priest, if I can use that term, because there's no longer, we, we no longer need to have another high priest because in the past, all the Old Testament high priests will eventually die, right? And they will replace it with another one. Whereas Jesus is going to be the eternal forever high priest. Uh, also, the, the, the first six verses talking about what is Jesus doing? He's ruling, he's ministering, he's making decisions on behalf of the Father. And that's why we lift up the name of Jesus. That's why we exalt in him. That's why we always want to glorify him and, and worship him. Because in Matthew 28, verse um, 18, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. So Jesus has all the authority and he's making the decision on behalf of the Father. And he is also, in the, at the end of chapter 7, Jesus is always interceding for us. Always. As in 24-7. Uh, that was from Hebrews 7 verse 25. Briefly on interceding. What does that mean? Meaning that Jesus is always intervening on our behalf. Right? Jesus is someone who's always praying for us. Always praying for us. He's always a witness for us. He's always backing us up. He's always supporting us. He's always comforting us. He's always supporting us. Encouraging us. And also, because he's perfect, he's all of the offerings that, um, that we read about in the Old Testament in terms of the sin offering, the uh, grain offering, the, the burnt offering, the peace offering, the guilt offerings. He's all of those things combined. So anyway, so this passage goes on to say that everything, the short passage to say that everything in the Old Testament, uh, the, old Mosa the Mosaic law or the temple was just a copy and shadow of the things to come. Right, in verse 5, let's read verse 5 together. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned that when he was about to build a tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So that means Moses saw the temple, saw the pattern to it of what actually the real thing and he was supposed to replicate that. Uh, so that's what it means in terms of a copy and a shadow. So the temple was shown to Moses, and he needed to rebuild that. And the term, a copy and shadow, we talked about this in the previous weeks also, also can apply to the Old Testament priest and the Old Testament sacrifices, right? The, the Levitical priest, high priest, was a copy and shadow of Jesus as the new high priest. The sacrifices that, I, that we talked about for our sins and our shortcomings that were done in the Old Testament were just also a copy and a shadow of the perfect sacrifices that Jesus is in terms of uh, the burnt offering, the guilt offering, the sin offerings, and what have you. So the, the gist of the first six verses, meaning with the new high priest that is in Jesus, which actually was the original high priest because he came from the order of Melchizedek, there will also be a new covenant. Because with a new priest, there's a new covenant. Or I would say a better covenant. Because we why would you need a new covenant if the, if the other one was already perfect? Right? So we need a better covenant. 
So Hebrews is the only book that often refer to a better covenant, if you read through all the New Testament book, instead of just a new covenant. So anyway, verse 7, restating that because there's a new high priest, we need a new covenant, a better covenant because God found fault with the people. God did not find fault with the first covenant. He found fault with the people. Fault with how the people was responding to the covenant of God. I believe that God actually, for me personally, I felt that God knew that this covenant would not last forever. It would fail because when people swore to God that I, we will follow, we will do everything that you have said. Uh, you can look back on uh, Exodus chapter 19 verse 8 when the people responded to say, we will do as, everything as the Lord has said. So that's that part of the, the covenant. So the reason, briefly, that it, the Israelite fell in that covenant. So briefly, you, I think we talked about what the covenant is, right? God said he would do something. He would deliver the people into rest, the promise, if the people follow all the laws that God has set out for them. But when the people cannot meet those laws, meet the standards, that's when the covenant was at fault. There was something wrong with that. That we, we, we are not able to fulfill the covenant that God has set out for us because we know that we, are not, we cannot be perfect. We may have a tendency to think that we can live a perfect life. We can create a, a utopia life. Uh, however, we have been proven that we have not been able to live up to the standard or the expectation that even we set up for ourselves, not just let alone God's standard. So I'm able to make that statement about us We'll never be able to worldwide live a perfect harmony with everyone worldwide without God. Without God, we cannot live a perfect life or cannot have a perfect life. Because if you if you hear if you, I'm sure you have heard the term history repeats itself, right? I think we all have heard that term. It has been proven true because throughout the history of mankind, people, we have always tend to put our self-interest first. It's all about self-interest, self-preservation uh, above others. Things such as territorial rights, right? things such as power struggle for more power, more money, right? We, we, I think you read this on the news all the time, like Jeff Bezos, he's a gazillion there, but he still want more. That's just a perfect example. We always want more resources, more fame. We want to impose our ideologies on other people. We, we are easily offended. Because when we're selfish and we, we, we put ourselves first and we have self-ego and pride, we're easily offended when our name is not mentioned. So that will cause chaos. That will cause conflict and disagreement. And that's why it has proven to be impossible for us as people to think that we can live in perfect harmony without God. So this is what I meant when I said God knew it would fail because he said he would do one part. The people are supposed to do another part and he knew there's no way that the people can live up to their, the standard that we have, I, we have agreed to without my help. That's what I meant. So, so I, I say this because if we look around in our present day, we have many technological advances right, to help improve our lives, to help make it better. And some of the aspects of our lives are better, but those advances have added more problems than they have helped. We have samples from thousands of years to, in support of what I've just said in terms of self-interest and self-preservation. So I want to use some of those quick examples and illustrations to say, when we say that we always put our self-interest first, 
history has proven itself. So I'm not just making a, a throwing a statement out there without anything backing it up. So let's get back to what is a covenant briefly. So God found fault with the people. Again, I want to reinforce, not with the covenant, but God found fault with the people. So as I said, the, the covenant is a conditional promise that God made with his people, and we have a role to play. That was the old covenant. Therefore, because we could not fulfill our part of the covenant, a new covenant is needed. If I can say, a better covenant is needed. Because God is so good and so gracious. He said, you guys can't satisfy the requirements that you actually have agreed to, but because I love you, I will come up with a new covenant just to help you out. So when is this new covenant coming? When is this going to happen? So if we go back, so in, in um, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8, so if we keep going down on Hebrews, the days are coming. So the author of Hebrews is referring back to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are coming. This is what God said. So it's the same as in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, when God said, uh, in these last days. So if we read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God said, um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets in various ways at various times. But in these last days, he spoke to us directly through Jesus. So when God said, the days are coming, which was in Jeremiah 31, which is 600 years before the birth of Jesus, this is now. The days are coming now. So when is a new covenant? It happened 2,000 years ago on the birth of Jesus. So what is a new covenant? Or what is a better covenant? So let's look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 9. It said, will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. Right? So it's not will be like the other covenant where it did not work out. When I took them by the hand and lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turn away from them and declares the Lord. So referring back to Jeremiah 31, because the author of Hebrews is reminding us, hey, I'm not making this up. This is what God said 600 years ago. This is what he said in the past. He spoke through the prophet to us, through the prophet, about the new covenant that is coming. So in order to have a better understanding of the purpose of the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 1, we should actually... Uh, I want to refer us back to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 8 and 9. You guys don't need to turn there. But this is when God told the Israelite that he will bring them back from captivity into the promised land. I will read this to you, and you guys don't need to turn to it. Jeremiah 31, verse 8 and 9. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor, a great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on the level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. So that is what God is trying to do. That is the result of the new covenant. Actually, that's the result of the covenant in general. So the promised land that God was sp speaking about is not an actual physical land. See, the Israelites kept thinking that was an actual physical land, but it's actually a place in the kingdom of God. And that means being in his presence. That's the promised land, to find rest in the presence of God. So just as this morning when we worship God, when we sing to him, if we actually press in and pay attention and sing to him 
and pay attention to, to the presence of God, we will find rest. We will find joy. We will find peace. That's what it means. It's a promised land. It's a spiritual promised land, not an actual promised land. So the ultimate destination, the ultimate promised land is to be in the presence with God. It is where we, as I said, find rest, peace, joy, happiness. Not a physical nation of Israel that we see on the map. So I wanted to include this brief passage from Jeremiah uh, 31 verse 8 and 9 to help us understand when God spoke about the new covenant, a new promised land, that's what it is. A, covenant, a new covenant is needed because he wants to bring the people from the ends of the earth into his presence because he knows that they can't do it themselves. We can't do it ourselves. So it's no longer it's about us doing something and God doing something so that we can get to the promised land. The new covenant is all about God's doing all the work for us. He's doing everything for us. We just need to enter into this agreement or pretty much just say, okay, that's a good deal. I agree to it. That's, what, that's pretty much all we have to do, meaning accepting that Jesus died on the cross for us. That's pretty much all we have to do. We don't have to do anything else because God is doing his part, and he realized we can't do our part, so you know what? I'm going to do your part for you just so we can be together. That's what it means in terms of a better covenant, right? It's like a better deal. It's almost like when you go to the store to buy something, right? You got to pay them $100, and they give you a gift. Now, you go to the store, and you just say, I'm showing up, and they give you the gift for free. Isn't it better? Right? It's better, right? That, I mean, that's a really bad example, but I'm trying to give an illustration for us. So it's better not for God. It's better for us. It's a much better covenant for us. And it's a new covenant, but it's a better covenant for us. And um, as we've been saying, the old covenant was breakable. Would, because we would violate his law, and we would not obey him, and we would follow away, and we would not... Because when we do that, we would not receive his promise. However, in the case of the new covenant, everything is better. God actually made a promise, and he swore an oath to it. So that means once we accept this new covenant, it's a done deal. That's why it's so much better. Whereas the new covenant cannot be broken, because God made a promise, and he swore an oath in his name. So now that leads us to why is this new covenant better. I kind of mentioned some of that, but I want to use some of the comparison between the old, test, the old covenant and the new covenant with God. Because this chapter, Hebrews chapter 8, focusing mostly on the new covenant of the new priest that we have. So the old covenant is largely external. It's more appearances um, in terms of religious rituals and duties. And the old covenant is maintained by uh, religious leaders and officials. That's why it will die because there's no joy in it. When you have to do something because you have to, right? Do you guys ever have to do that? I'm sure you have to. I'm sure you have. I have, and I don't like it. There's no joy in it. There's no life in it. Without life, it will eventually die. And that's what it said. Out of date, obsolete, it will soon disappear. But the new covenant, the new covenant is, is about our heart. It's about spiritual. It's internal. When we accept the new covenant, the better covenant, Jesus will come inside of us and give us a new heart. And his laws will be written on our minds and put in our hearts. That's what verse 10 said. It's a new heart. It's something that, a, spirit, a supernatural new life. It's something that we cannot give to ourselves. It's something that we cannot give to others. It's something that no one else can give to us except through a supernatural 
transformation of our lives and our hearts. So that's why the new covenant is better. The old covenant is going to die. It doesn't work because people live by fear of punishment because you have to do all the different things, right? It's about legalism. If you guys ever know what it's like to be, uh, live under legalism, that's what the Old Testament is. We have to walk a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. You can only eat a certain thing at a certain time. And you have to pray a certain way even. That's what legalism means. You can't be who you are. And there's constantly restrictions on you and how you live and where you go and what you do. Whereas the new covenant, we have the life of God and we live through God's grace on our life. And the power of the Holy Spirit will pull within us. And we actually, because we have a new life and a new heart, a supernatural life is being poured into us. And we're regenerated, rejuvenated, and refreshed. Isn't that so much better? Just knowing that I'm doing this because I enjoy this. I see the joy of God. I have the grace of God to do all the things that most people think is too difficult to do or don't want to do. So the old covenant only gives an earthly life. And actually the old covenant will cause us to have even more self-righteous more pride in ourselves because look, look at me. I completed all these things this morning. I spent two hours praying for God. How much time did you spend praying for God? Well, only 50, 15 minutes? Come on, man, suck it up. Do a little bit more. So we, we, we stop taking pride in what we do and, and where we go and, and how we act and how we sing and how we pray, and it becomes all about us. Whereas the new covenant, it's all eternal. And it allows us with eternal life. It gives us an eternal perspective. Just an eternal perspective of where we will be. So we don't have to worry about comparing with other people about where we are right now. Because if we compare with people where we are right now, there will always be someone better and there will always be someone worse. Depends on how we look at it. But when we have an eternal perspective, we realize that where we will be, where we will be in the future. And the old covenant, again, it was true. It's an agreement that God has set out, but it's not the whole truth. What we have was good, but the new covenant is getting a glimpse of knowing that God wants to do so much more. He wants to do so much more for us, and he's doing something better for us. I said something more, the whole truth, better and eternal. So anyway, I want to uh, bring it to a close by saying that thank God for the new covenant and the better covenant. Through Jesus. We will never be able to live up to the previous covenant. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that no one can live up to the old covenant. There was over 600 commandments, 613, I think to be exact. How can anyone possibly remember all those commandments? That's why a new commandment was necessary, was absolutely needed. Thankfully, through this new commandment that is new, new covenant that is in Jesus, God is fulfilling His part, and He's fulfilling our part for us. And by doing that, we don't have to memorize and know all the different commandments there are in terms of what we're supposed to do, what we need to do. Just we talked about this last week: love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. That's it. When we do that. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's all we have to do, 
is so much easier. Not only is it new, but it's better and it's easier. So, thankfully for the new commandment. So, Hebrews chapter 8 is referring back to Jeremiah 31 a lot, is to remind us, as I said, this is what God said roughly a long time ago. Now it's coming true. What he said, the days to come, this is what I'm going to do. Now, this is what God is doing. So now through Jesus, we have access to the original blueprint, if I can say that, of what is true, what is good, what is complete, and what is eternal. New covenant. Reading Hebrews, and we're in chapter 8 now, so as you can see, all the, uh, the evidence is being laid out in the previous chapters. Now we know that this is not a made-up covenant. It is an actual real covenant that is better and it's not a philosophy, a new philosophy that's being introduced. Or it's not another branch of Judaism. God spoke of this new covenant long time ago and let us know that it's coming. We just didn't know when it was going to be coming. But now it is here and it's available to all of us. So he's saying, don't go back to the old covenant. Don't live under the other legalistic religious life. It's dead. It's going to disappear. It's obsolete. Live under this new covenant with a new high priest, that is Jesus. Because when we live under the old covenant, applying that to today's term, it's like self-reliance, right? Self-preservation, self-sufficiency, relying on our own knowledge, our own understanding, because without God, as I said before, it only leads to more bickering, more disagreement, like more fighting, more chaos. Because if I can come up with a new theory, Someone else who come, can come up with a new theory, right? If I can come up with one philosophy, someone else can come up with another philosophy, and we're going to argue until forever. Because if I think I'm right and you think you're right, we're never going to agree. So that's why there's going to be disagreements and fighting. So I want to end by using an illustration of the, the, the present day, of what is the old covenant, what it looks like in the present day for what is the, living under the old covenant and living under the new covenant. So living under the covenant it's almost like, as I've been saying, for us to try to do things on our own, trying to make life perfect for us, try to create a, a, a utopia for everyone. But I want to say this. There have never been as many nonprofit organizations worldwide in our lifetime, ever. There have never been as much finance, resource, money, manpower, and knowledge in the history of mankind pouring into trying to bring peace and joy and prosperity to people everywhere, worldwide. Hands down, there's so many nonprofit organizations out there. There's so much money being poured into help people bring water to resources and create new technology and, and going here, going there, sending doctors and sending medicines, sending medical everywhere. But however, it just doesn't feel like things are so much better, right? In terms of everyone is having more peace, more joy, more freedom and more prosperity. Because if I can even actually make an argument that things are not better at all. So that's what the old covenant was like, right? We're trying to do all these things to make things better for us. But it is, we need to remember that it's old and it's obsolete. And the more we try, the harder it's going to be and the more fighting and chaos there's going to be. Because if you turn on the news, if you don't believe me, turn on the news. There's actually a lot of things that would remind us of without God, there's just so much, so much chaos, so much infighting. 
That's what happens when we try to create a perfect life on our own, try to bring joy to ourselves, try to um, live under a legalistic in terms of we need to do more, we need to do something else, we need to do better. Whereas with God, there's a supernatural life that will come. Take the burden of ourselves. Don't be self-sufficient and realize. I'm not saying that we shouldn't work and, and do the things that God has called us to do. But we need God. We need to live under the new covenant. A new covenant with Jesus where he fulfills his side of the agreement and our side of the agreement. Live under the grace of the new covenant with peace, joy, happiness, and prosperity. And that's rest. That's how God is bringing us into the promised land, into the presence of, of God, to find the true supernatural rest that people always search for. What is the meaning of life? That's the meaning of life. Enter into this better covenant with Jesus. And as we enter this, into this new covenant with Jesus, it's not about having rest for us, but for everyone around us. Not only for this generation, but also for the future generations. Forever. For an eternity, right? Because we have a high priest who is eternal. So I find rest, and I know that when I die, the next generations, I will see them. They will be with us in heaven. Just like you guys, when you see your children, you will find rest and have the eternal rest for future generations. Hopefully, I will see for, to the fifth and sixth and tenth generations of all my kids in heaven. That's what we live for. And that's what we've got to keep in mind of this new covenant that God has given to us. So that's why the covenant is better. That's why we need it. It's better, it's more complete, it's whole, and it's eternal. So through our faith in Jesus, this is how each of us enter into a new covenant with the creator of the universe, the one true living God. So all we have to do is repent of our sins and accept that Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins. And he is now the perfect high priest and the perfect sacrifice for us. That's how we enter into this new covenant, a better covenant with God. So I want, to encourage, well, I want to end by encouraging each and every one of us to get to know more about this new and perfect covenant. The more we know about this covenant and how good it is, how it is such a better covenant, and how much more grace we have in this covenant, the more that we can share with other people. That's how we share the gospel. Speak to others and let others know of God is doing his part and he's doing our part. So you don't have to do anything. Actually, we don't have to just, all we have to do is just say, okay, that's a good deal. I will take it. That's all we have to do. So that's what we have. That's what I have for this morning for us in Hebrews chapter 8. Just to be reminded that the new covenant was spoken over us, over God's people, hundreds of years before. And it's coming to fruition now. And it's becoming real and it's happening right now. So, um, amen. Can I close? And pray for us. Let's close our eyes and uh, I'll pray for us this morning. Father, we just want to thank you for you, God. We just thank you for who you are. We just want to thank you that you are, that we have the privilege to gather, to lift you up, and to honor you, Lord. Just to experience more and more of this new covenant that you have for us, this better covenant that we have, that you have for us, that we can experience with you. Just thank you for allowing us to. Be in the presence, in your presence. We love you and we worship you. 
Holy Spirit, just stir in our hearts and soften our hearts and open our hearts up for more of you, God. We want more of who you are. We just want to know more of what you have planned for us. We just want to see more of the vision that you have over our lives and the lives of our children and the generation that comes after us. We love you and we worship you. And we lift you up, Jesus. Let your name be glorified. Let your name be honored. And let your name be known throughout the city. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Amen.